All right. Well, good morning, kids. Have a great time. Look forward to hearing the story you learned when you come out. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, let's just jump right into it. If you've got your sermon notes, pull those out. We're going to talk about, this is kind of a two-weeker uh, as we finish off our Powerhouse series. This morning, we're going to talk about power for parents, um, really where that comes from. And then the next week, we're going to talk about like what happens when your kids start to push against the Christian faith you've been trying to build into them all their life? Like, what do you do? How do you handle that as a parent? And how do you just not go crazy and flip out, right? We'll talk about that next week. Uh, this week, we're talking about power for parents. This is what I want to do. The goal is this. Introduce, as Christian parents, we want to introduce our kids to a God who loves them and to make him the priority of their life. That's our goal as Christian parents. Listen, if we're not trying to introduce our kids to a God who loves them, and to help that God be the number one priority in our life. Listen, what are we doing as Christian parents? What is this Christianity, really? So that's our goal. That's what we're about. Let's take a look at this passage. Let's read this this morning. Well, I'll read it. You follow along. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this foundation of the Israelites' faith in the Lord. Here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them, here it is, diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way or when you lie down or when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, the word of God for the people of God. Oh, man, you guys forgot. It's only been a couple weeks since we've done that. So let's just try it again because I, I, you just weren't ready. All right? I surprised you. The word of God for the people of God. All right, there you go. That's pretty good. I even heard you at home, maybe. So uh, good job. Hey, today I want to teach you how to have a truly Christian home. I want to teach you that today. Now, it won't be like, groundbreaking new material. In fact, these are things you've probably heard before, but we can move along and forget. How to have a truly Christian home. Why? Because parenting's tough, right, parents? That's the time where you yell out amen, right? Parenting's tough, right? Take a look at uh, some of these memes that I came across this week. Here's the first one. If you constantly love cleaning, but never actually live in a clean home, parenting, parenthood might be for you. Do we have those guys? There we go, all right? You love constantly cleaning but never actually living in a clean home parenthood is for you. So, yeah, would make sense, right? Take a look at this second one. U.S. parents live for the tiny vacations from our kids. Like when you put your kids in the car and you close the, their door and that little walk around to your own door, it's like a carnival cruise. <laughs> we, you you want to confess that you slow walked that before? Yeah, so... Look at this one. Alarm clock here. You don't realize how many hours there are in a day until a, key, a kid keeps you up for all of them. Oh. This week at the gym, uh, somebody was telling me, I said, hey, is anybody sleeping at your house with a, uh, about an eight-month-old baby? And they said, oh, yeah, it was really great. They, she came home from the hospital really sleeping through the night. I'm like, I don't want to hear that story. So none of our three did that, right? And finally, this one, moms, you'll appreciate this. Thou shall not try me. That's mom 24-7, oh, if you want to look that one up in, in your Bible. Parenting's tough. 
But listen, we actually find in this passage we read this morning, this is like their, it's like their pledge that this is how they're going to live out their Christian faith and embed it in the life of their kids. Listen, look at the first verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now, the Lord there, if you actually see the word, it's probably capitalized for emphasis in your Bible. It wouldn't have been in the Hebrew language, but the emphasis basically means this. It means Adonai, my God. There is this possession to say, this is my God. And so when we say this is my God, we're not saying, hey, this is some distant God. I don't know. It's somebody else's God. It is saying, this is my God. This is where I surrender to. This is what I like. I'm subscribing to this. That is the first thing they're trying to say as they declare this. The Israelites brought God into their community. That is very clear. In fact, if you look in this, this time frame of Scripture in Deuteronomy, start in Genesis and kind of work through, you'll see a lot of ites, right? Not just the Israelites. You'll see a lot of other ites, right? They're no longer there anymore. They're gone, right? And the Israelites live on. You probably know it as, as Jewish. Uh, they live on because they brought God into their community, and they live out this principle here. So not only this, but we actually find that they brought God into their families. When they start to talk about their kids and what they're going to teach their kids, they brought it into their households and into their family. So two core principles we're going to look at this morning. This is not rocket science. It's right there on the pages of Scripture that we just read. Two principles that I want to I remind you of as we look at this passage. Here's the first one. I will show my children what it looks like to love God more than anything. I'm going to show that to my kids, what that looks like to love God more than anything. Why? Because the number one thing, there's nothing more important to your family than your relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more important. Your relationship with Jesus will be the starting point that flows in to actually transferring your faith to someone else. I mean, think about this. Like, I know, like, little to nothing about fishing, right? Anson, if he was in here, he would remind you of that. But if I, like, went on, I mean, if I just went on the charge to start telling you all about fishing and how you do it and when you do it and what you should have and all that kind of stuff, it wouldn't take very long where you would look at me and go, hmm, I'm not sure he knows what he's talking about. Am I right, Ponce? Right? That wouldn't take very long at all, right? The number one thing is your faith. Your faith. It, let's take a look at, at the passage again. What does it say there? Uh, it, it actually says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Listen, know this principle first. You can't give your kids something you don't have. If you don't have it, you can't give it away to them. At very least, you have to obtain something first to give it away. But in this, in Christianity, we're talking about this thing that you're living out in your life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I, get this, command you today shall be on your heart. Listen, this is like a covenant commandment that God is making with his people. God is basically saying this in this section of, of scripture, which is known as the Shema. This is what he's saying. I will do my part. I will do everything I've promised you. But you got to do your part too you got to hold up your end of the bargain. And yours is love the Lord your God. Make me number one. I'm your only God to focus on. And then take this and put it in the life of your kids, as we'll get to in just a minute. Listen, your kids will not obey God. You'd love them to do that, wouldn't you? 
your kids won't obey God unless they love God. And they're not going to love God unless they know God. And that's your job and my job, to introduce them to a God who loves them and to help them make him the number one priority of their life. So you got to model that, right? I have to model that. We have to live that out. I, I mean, we can look and I can say, I think Mike has love for Liz in his heart. I'm pretty sure, right? I think he does. Um, I might have caught him say I love you one time to her, you know. Or I can sit back and I can watch the ways that Mike loves Liz. I can watch what he does and how he models it. And I'd go, oh, man, that guy really loves him. And I could learn a couple of things and say, I'm going to do that for Sheree, you know. That's how we do. we got to model it and live this thing out. What are some ways you can model? Well, the list is endless, right? But let me share with you a couple that you can do. Uh, give God the first week of your life. Uh, the first, I'm sorry. Give God the first day of your week. I just put two, I just put two points together there. I'm not, and they made no sense. All right? So I'll go back to the beginning. Give God the first day of the week. Give him the first day of the week. Like make Sabbath important to your family. And not just, hey, let's get to church here. Let's, let's cram church between a few things that we're going to do. Like, oh, man, we got to meet them for breakfast. Then we'll get over there and we'll get to church. But we got to get out of there right away because we got to go do this and that and that. Look at Sabbath and make that day priority in your life. Give God that day. When you say going to church and, and worshiping God together as a family, that's going to be a priority. And then resting enjoying the day with family or refreshing or as the word really means in the old testament ceasing give god that first day god's actually said to you listen I, i'll refresh you i'll make you ready for the week if you'll give me that first day but that's not this american way at all so we just cram god where we can cram him in that day well here's the problem you might be able to kind of manage that kind of schedule you might understand, hey, if we cram it in here or there, I, I, I still really value God. God's important in my relationship. But guess who won't? Your kids. They won't get it. And so something will click in them when they get down the road and they'll go like, why did we do that? Like, why do we rush to church? Why do we do all this kind of stuff? And they'll just continue on with their regular schedule and cut church out of it altogether. That's 16 years of youth ministry talking right there seeing it over and over and over. So give God the first day of your week. Make it a priority. This comes up even in the life of your pastor. Did you know that? You think, well, he's, he's got to do Sabbath. I mean, he's here, right? Like, if he, if he doesn't show up on Sunday, I mean, we're not giving him a paycheck, right? So, but listen, it comes up for us as well. I mean, just, just the last couple weeks, we had to talk to Sierra's new soccer team and say, look, we love this. We're so energized by what's going on and and she'll be there, all those team functions, all the team building things, all the service work days, the game, all that. But listen, just know, we will push her to give 100% and work really hard in every practice. But just know, we're not going to be there on Sundays. Are those easy conversations to have? No, not even for a pastor to have that with a coach. But I just said, I want to build into my kids that we're going to give God that first day. Even if we're in the extreme minority of our culture, and I, I, I say even in the minority of many Christians, we want to give God the first day of the week. Shree and I made that commitment in our life 26 years ago. 
to do that on, on Sunday, on the Sabbath. And we've been doing it for 26 years. And I'd never come off it because of what we've experienced in the way of rest for ourselves and then for our family when the kids came along. And boy, even more so, parents you know of teenagers, even more so when they become teens as well. Here's the second one. Give them the first part of each day. Like, wake up and actually say, God, this day is for you. I'm going to spend time with you right away. Get into your word right away. Instead of trying to cram it in some time of your day, start your day that way. Start it that way. Well, we've been doing in discipleship a little simple prayer where we actually pray, Lord, if there be any way in me, any way in me, any sin, any selfishness, would you reveal it to my heart? And then, Lord, today, wherever you want to lead me, I'm willing to go. You just direct me on where I'd go. We pray that 30-second prayer every morning, and we're trying to say before our feet hit the floor, we pray that prayer. It's a way to start the day. So we give God part of our day every single day, the first part of our day, instead of holding it at very end, instead of saying, look, I'm busy. Um, can we just all agree that you get a little tired of hearing the I'm busy excuse? We're all busy. Everybody's busy, right? Instead, say, it's not a priority for me to do it at that time. And that's okay. Not everything has to be a priority in your life, right? But God has to be spending time with him if we have any hope of transferring that to the life of our kids as well. Here's the third one. Give God first priority in every decision. Every decision you make, you can actually model this with your kids. Instead of you just having in your head the idea of like, God, should I do this or not? Okay, I guess it's okay. And then you can do it. Actually verbalize that. Talk that out. Ask your kids, say, hey, family, we're just going to pray for this for a minute. We're going to ask for God's wisdom and God's direction on this. And pray that out. Speak words like that where you're, you're thinking about that. Hey, we're not quite sure what we're doing. I, I, I'm looking at a passage. Kids, I, here's the passage I'm looking at. Why don't you guys look at that too? Let me know this week if, any, if God shares anything with you. Just talking to them. What are you modeling? You are modeling that you make God the priority in every decision that you make. Listen, it doesn't just have to be big decisions. Like, we're going to move to another state or we're going to move. Those are big, big decisions. We need jerk, right? Spend time praying for those. But even small decisions, even little things, we actually model. You go back to school shopping with your kids. Is that crazy frustrating for you? <laughs> yeah, it can be, especially if you're shopping for clothes, right? Especially if you're a dad and you go with your teenage daughter and you don't know what you're doing, right? So you pray. You say, hey, let's just pray that the Lord would guide us to the right attire this year. That's modeling for them that you're putting God in front of every decision. Even if your kids might roll their eyes a little and go, okay, dad. Okay, mom. We're modeling. So that's what we have to do. Listen, we can't expect our kids to put God first in everything if we put him second. They're too smart for that. They'll figure it out. They'll see it. But here's the thing that studies show us. They won't put him second in their life when they become adults. He might, not, he might be non-existent altogether. He might be way down the list. So take a look at Deuteronomy 8 9 that we just read. You shall bind them as signs on your hands and shall, in the frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on 
your gates. What does that mean there? Well, on the hands, that would symbolize like action. What you're going to do, you'll write God's words out, right? The, the frontlets are, those, that's the forehead it's talking about. Like, that would symbolize like writing them into your mind and your thoughts, how you process things. Let God's direction in how you think. On your doorpost, this house is going to be a house that functions as one that follows and serves the Lord. And then finally, on your gates. That's actually where most business would have been done, at the gates. That would have been where the marketplace was. So like in your business, where you go, take your Christian principles there as well. That's living them out. Actions, thoughts, home, job. We live them out as models to our, to our kids. That's the first principle. Here's the second one. I will make certain that my children have a solid understanding of the Bible. It's so important. I was just recently talking to one of our teens here in the church, and we were, I mean, we were just shooting the breeze. We weren't talking about anything important. But they said something, and I said, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like Daniel in the lion's den. And I could tell there was a confusion on their face. And I said, you know the, you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Now, they know they weren't, they weren't supposed to say no to the pastor. <laughs> they were supposed to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, you know. But I could tell they didn't know the story. Listen, it's no problem. We get people that are coming new to the faith all the time, and I'd have no expectation that they would know the stories of the Bible. In fact, there's great joy in sitting down and teaching them those things. But we were talking about a teen who's been in the church their whole life with parents who have been in the church their whole life. That's a problem. That's a problem. Not that you know every little minute story of the Bible, but so often we're going the way of not knowing much of the Bible. In fact, I've found in the last two years, in much of the divisiveness that we've actually been talking about, that a phrase came out that, that really resonated with me, that often we argue and argue and defend the Bible and truth of the Bible, but we're not reading it. That, does that make any sense to you? If we have any hope of actually transferring our faith to their kids, we have to know God's word, and then we have to teach God's word to our kids as well. Take a look at the passage. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them. And we'll hold right there. Teach is like a formal thing. Like, like you're going to intentionally, formally sit down and teach your kids God's word. Most places you will send your kids. Most schools, most sports teams will not be teaching your kids formally about God's word. You have to do that. You have to teach them about God's word. Sitting down and having Bible study together or having devotion time together or memorizing a passage as a family together or sitting at the breakfast table and throwing an idea out and saying, what do you guys think about this? I love as teens because they process so much more and dad's so much more uncool. Uh, there's so much more conversation when you throw something out and say, what do you think about that? And they start to process and to think. Now, it's dangerous because sometimes I'm going like, oh, I don't like that you think that, <laughs> you know. Well, we'll talk about that next Sunday when we talk about the questions our kids ask. But you got to teach them. And then there's this talk, uh, shall talk along with them. That's like this informal. Like everywhere you go, just talk God, talk Jesus, talk about your faith everywhere you go. And, and whatever you come into contact with, this is informal type teaching. 
Listen to what uh, the passage, a little bit further, it's not in your notes this morning, but, uh, excuse me, it's not in the passage we read, but it's in your notes. Deuteronomy 6, 20 and 21. When your son or daughter asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes or law and the rules that God, the Lord our God has commanded you? You shall say to your son or daughter, what is that passage getting at? When they ask you, what is this all about? What does this mean? Why are we being asked to do this from God? You will share with them why. You'll share with them. So often, we hit that point, and what do we say, right? When our kids ask a question like that. I don't know. Ask your mom. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me, right? We just don't know. And if we don't know, then it actually curbs sharing with our kids because we don't think we know. We're not confident in that. Listen, here's the thing. You're not going to know everything about God's word. Look, I'm 48. I've been a pastor for a long time. I don't know everything about God's word. Every once in a while, somebody comes and they bring like this one small passage somewhere and they say, what do you think about that? And like even within me, I'm like, oh man, I guess I should know that verse, but I don't. I don't even know what they're talking about here. And I have to say, you know, I'm not quite sure. I'm not familiar with that passage well enough. Let me take a look at it. But don't let that be your excuse for not knowing God's word, studying God's word, learning more things. It should be this. When your kids come and they want to know a question about our faith, why do we believe this? Why is it like that? Why, is it, why do we have to believe in the Trinity? What is that all about? Have an answer. Have an answer. And if you don't on one, no problem. Go find out. Go look it up. Go ask somebody and learn more. Why? Because it's your job and my job as Christian parents to help our kids understand God's word. And you just can't give them what you don't have. Fortunately, the writer of this that we read actually tells us how to do it. A, look at verse 7 uh, again there. And you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the road, when you lie down, and when you rise. Like when you sit at your home. Like I'm thinking like when you're watching TV, when you're watching movies, do you let the junk of the TV and movie just slide on by? Because you're like, ah, well, you know, they'll see it anyway. They see it at school. This is nothing new, this kind of stuff. No, that's an excuse. You have the opportunity to say, listen, guys, just want to hold for a second. You know, like that philosophy there or that ideology or what they said or what they just did, like we wouldn't value that. I know we're just kind of watching a made-up show, right? And I know you're not going to go out and do that, but I want you to know we don't really value that. My kids are 22 and 20. And I may even get a little bit of a, uh, a I have a 16-year-old daughter as well. All right, I was thinking about the adult kids. <laughs> I don't think I had an old person moment for, you know, and forgot what I was talking about. I am old. I do forget things. All right, I'm off track. So 22, 20, and 16, and I still pause stuff and say, you know, I wouldn't, we don't believe that at all in, in our Christian faith. And I might sometimes still get a slight eye roll from them, like, we know, Dad. We know, you know, it is the hundredth pause. Like, we get it, you know. But what are we doing? It's ingrained that we need to build this into our kids, right? But sometimes it actually spawns a conversation of why. Why do we do that? And then, and then the movie maybe gets paused or doesn't come back to, or we talk about it another time where we actually talk about that. 
When you walk by the way, I'm thinking about we don't walk too many places, right? You walk maybe from your car to the grocery store and back, but we drive everywhere. And so I'm thinking about, like, when you're driving, are you modeling your faith to your kids? Are you, I, I, I mean, look, I already get some giggles out there. Like, so you just told me not always. So, okay. Um, yeah, like, like when you're driving around and you see things that happen out there, or when you see, like, a sign that's on the road and you're less like, that's an affront to our faith. You know, do you speak into it? Do you use those opportunities? Listen, a four-year-old will repeat what you say when you drive. They don't even know. They don't think right or wrong. They'll just repeat what you say. A 10 to 12-year-old, they'll start to, um, they'll start to kind of reason and go like, hey, that's, that's not what dad or mom teaches us there. That's certainly not church stuff, the way they just did that. A 16 to 18-year-old, they'll start to lose respect for your faith altogether. That's how important it is that we model this on the way. Driving would just be an example. When you lie down, did you used to do prayer time with your kids at night? Will you pray with them before they go to bed? Will you, like, finish off your day with that, modeling that for your kids? And how about when you rise up, especially as your kids get older, even more important because it, nobody's going to bed at the same time when they get older, right? But as you wake up and, and say, hey, we're all going to meet at the breakfast table. We may only have a five-minute breakfast, right, with microwave, you know, of those breakfast corn dogs. But you're going to, we're going to sit there, and we're going to just have a time. We're going to read a passage, or we're going to just share for a moment. Um, something like that where we start our day. If kids are younger, you have a little bit more control of this and the schedule of modeling that even while they're young. You have to teach diligently, some parents are so afraid to force feed any form of religion, they do almost nothing. And we wouldn't do that in any other area of our life. I mean, just think, if your kids came and said, church wasn't really fun yesterday. All right, well, you don't have to go back. No, I don't really, I don't really like the music. All right, well, we'll just go somewhere else. Would you do that with any other? If your kid came and said, soccer practice wasn't fun today, you'd say, Tough. You signed up. We're going back. We're finishing out the season, right? I mean, I hope you would. Did that just come out? That's what we would say. So, all right, maybe I came off as a strong parent there. But if they came up and said, look, school wasn't fun. I don't really want to go. No problem. Just stay home today. You know, stay home this week. It's fine. You know, whatever you want to do. We wouldn't do this in any other area. Why? Because we recognize how important it is to build into them. Like, I've talked with parents who said, I just want to build into that. If you make a commitment, you finish out the sports season or the dance season or whatever. We want to build that into our kids. There are things we have to build into our kids as well with the faith. But we have to model it. That's where it starts first. Here, so the main point is this. First-rate parents put God first. That's what we do. So two quick questions. Is God first in your life? That's where it starts. Go back and review that point. Secondly, are you teaching your kids to have God be first in their life? Are you intentional about that? Hear the words again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit down in, or sit in your house, or when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head, hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for parents. It's a tough job. It's hard. Even when we're, we're seeking to kind of walk in your ways and put our time in, in the word and to learn to grow, it's still difficult. But, Father, there's nearly no shot if we as parents who have been given the gift of faith and who have walked with that and claimed Christianity, Lord, if we don't live out our faith and then intentionally teach it to our kids, there's much, much smaller chance that our kids will, will grab onto the faith and own it and love it on their own. Father, help us to recognize how big this job is and how important this is. Father, the church is here to support and help, but there's a responsibility you've put in each one of us, in our homes. Father, we want to have a powerhouse in you, and it begins by relationship with you. Maybe this morning, this is the commitment you need to make. Lord, I recommit that I will make you the priority in my life. And then next, maybe this commitment is, Lord, I will model that for my kids intentionally. And then third, Lord, we might say, Lord, I will intentionally and diligently teach my kids about your word and how to live it out. There's so much power that would come in just three commitments like that. Father, lead us. Empower us as we make those. We pray in your son's name. Amen.